today's guest is Ritu Kinra Tangri, a Melbourne-based homeopath who has just joined my team of homeopaths. So you can book a consultation with her at eugeniekruger.com and just click on bookings. So the lovely Ritu has got a wealth of knowledge in treating clients with homeopathy. She's also written a book called Materia Medica for Students, which you can find on Amazon. And in this episode, she'll be speaking with us about the importance of gut health and how we can use homeopathy parallel to pharmaceutical medication. She also has has some great cases that she's sharing with us and make sure you listen right to the end where we actually just end up having a really fun casual chat. I am so so excited to have Ritu on the team um, just to have this wonderful amount of knowledge added to our knowledge base. Um, she is just such a warm beautiful person that is so passionate about sharing homeopathy with the world and I know you're going to love today's episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we get to hang out with the lovely Ritu Kinra Tangri. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> well, welcome, Ritu. Thank you, Eugenie. Thank you. And it's really my pleasure to be a part of your podcast because actually I'm a fan of you and I've been appreciating your podcast ever since <laughs> I've been listening to them. That's my kind of dose when I go for a walk. I just put on my earplugs and that's what I'm listening to. And Aww. thank you for putting up those podcasts. I've learned so much. You've got to make me teary right at the start of the podcast. That's not fair. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And you're just on the other side of Australia in Melbourne, right? That's right. That's right. I'm in Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so Ritu, tell our listeners a little bit about how you first discovered homeopathy. So I think I share the story with many homeopaths. It was an accidental discovery where actually a lot of Indian parents want their kids to, you know, they be very streamlined by our parents to taking up law or medicine or engineering, or that's just spoon fed to us since we are kids. And so the idea was to do medicine, but then I think I joined homeopathy as a stopgap arrangement before I actually took up medicine. But I'll tell you a case that actually then was an eye opener for me, our university or so or college, as we call it there, was attached to a hospital where we had an OPD and inpatient department and a labor section and it's beautiful a dermatology section ENT section eye section it was kind of compartmentalized like that so there was this patient who had a gangrene in his foot a very bad gangrene and obviously the idea with the conventional system of medicine was to amputate his foot so before he actually went in for an amputation he came into a homeopathic hospital for as a last for a call and the I remember that the physicians there gave him lycopodium because I did inquire about it his gangrene totally resolved and what? I was quite shocked yes yes I would how... think something like gunpowder or pyrogen or yeah, something like gave... that they gave lycopodium they gave lycopodium I don't know how they worked it out it's obviously probably a constitutional but as a very inquiring mind and as a very skeptical mind I thought oh that really actually did work because I remember stories of my, some of my seniors where they're actually challenging each other with giving sulfur 1M and let's try it out. And, and we know the effects now, how it can actually affect. So yes, that's how it all started. And that's all I, I developed a grip to. I said, no, I really need to know more about this. And yes, and that was my journey. So it was a five and a half year degree course, which I did, which is called Bachelor of Homeopathic Medicine and Surgery from University of Delhi. And then I followed it up with doing a postgraduate course from British Institute of Homeopathy. So that's what my education was. Incredible. Yeah. And you also wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about that. That was pretty shortly after you graduated, right? Yes, yes. Pretty shortly after I graduated. And the reason I should say I really actually compiled a book because when I was actually uh, for each year, so we have had a four-year degree course or four and a half years actually, and then followed by one year of internship. And each year we had to study a certain set of medicines. Mm. And I used to, I had a lot of textbooks. I had Farrington, Tyler, Nash, Lilienthal, and a lot of other books, Warwick. 
And I found it really hard to contain all the information, memorize all the information for my exams. So I started compiling notes and I felt that every book had its own way of presenting things, especially yes. for example, Lilienthal is beautiful because it actually talks about the pathology. It actually talks about how the pathology is affected by the medicine, how the physiology is affected by the medicine, because some of the books do talk about the symptoms, but they don't know how the medicine actually is working. So that to me was very interesting, but I found that, oh, I didn't have, I never have had a really great memory, I must say. So then I started compiling my notes and I drew caricatures around it to memorize the information. And then I thought that when I'd finished my degree, I thought I had these lovely notes, which I thought were useful to other students as well. So then I edited and compiled it and it was published by BJ and Publishers at, at that time. Yeah, so you'll see that each remedy, obviously when I look back, I thought, oh, maybe I could have done this and I could have done that. But each remedy has a caricature. Uh, I'm not an artist, but I picked up those caricatures. I actually, cool. I actually shoveled through so many newspapers and actually bought magazines and picked up the right picture for the right drug and try to you know yeah so that's what the book is about so hopefully yeah and it's being used as a first year as a book for the especially the first year students because it relates to their curriculum yeah in India wow Ritu that is really cool can you so you actually graduated in the late 90s right 1998 that's right Wow, amazing. Uh, Can you tell me the name of that author, the Lillian? I don't actually think I've heard of that. Lillian, yeah, I think I've got it, but it's not in a great condition. How do you spell Uh, that? Farrington. Farrington is one of them. I've got Farrington, but there's that Lillian one. I can't believe I haven't heard of that. Uh, And I'm guessing Fartek you would have as well, because I know that's a big one in India. I really like the Fartek. Yes, yes, yes. So it's L-I-L. I think I've got Kent as well with me. I just started like, I'll probably put that in my notes for you, but L-I-L-E-N-T-A-T-R-E-L, as far as I remember, but I stand corrected. Yes. Okay. I cannot believe I haven't heard of that author before, but you have really piqued my interest there because I agree with you. Like, it's really nice if you can have the the explanation of exactly how on a pathological level, the remedy the works. So, are working. Yes, 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 yes. So for that in-depth thinking, I think. And for example, now when you read about it, for example, you know, Anika, is a vasodilator but we understand once we understand the concept we are able to apply it because i think it's hard to memorize information about yes. so many drugs and where all it can work and i think it's a constant learning process so i feel that once you understand the concept of a medicine then you're able to apply it much better and yes that, that's my feeling I agree because I once found out about belladonna and low potency and how it has an action, I think, on the muscles or something. Right. Yeah. Natural for smooth muscles. That's right. Yes. And that's why when you apply the atropine or the belladonna to, you know, how they used to in the hundreds of years ago put the belladonna in the eyes and that made the eyes dilate. And right. that's where the word belladonna comes from, beautiful woman, because they believe that with these dilated pupils, it made them look more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's actually the action of the atropine kind of relaxing the muscles and the eyes that make right. it dilate and yeah. so once you understand the physical action in the body it is much easier to then understand how you would apply it in clinic that's right yeah yeah personally i i think especially with people who don't have great memories it's hard to remember all that beautiful information although it is beautiful but then i think when you get cases and then you work around your cases it all comes back to you so that we start applying it that way as well so well yeah. i'm actually the same Rita. i don't have a great memory but i i also have ways of how i remember things and i think you get more creative like some people just have crystal clear memories i used to have this flatmate funny enough his name was eugene oh, <laughs> Um, And he had the most incredible crystal clear picture memory. He was also a genius, I reckon. But he could tell you the finest little details of anything that happened however many years ago on this day and this time. And I'm like, my brain just does not work like that. Like I need to have, I think, in pictures and stories and feelings and that sort of way. So it just makes us a little bit more creative. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a different way of processing information. And thank goodness that you had to rely on that because now we can benefit from the book that you've created because of that. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit more about what sort of things these days, like what areas of homeopathy are you passionate about? I really want through your podcast, I want to inform people and I want to enable them and I want them to feel confident about taking homeopathy medicines. 
I, for myself, I know, and for my family, I know that I would, the last thing I would ever go in for is conventional medicine. Mm. And not because it's not important. I'm not saying because it is really important. It's important that we have it around us. Important that we understand what tool to use when. I think that knowledge is really, really important. We do require antibiotics. We do require conventional medicine, but we have to enable ourselves to understand, oh, can I do without this or do I really need this? Mm. And yes, I know. And I can understand that that as a homeopath, I want our listeners also to be more, to feel more confident about taking homeopathic medicine as a first port of call. And you would see that even though you might be taking antibiotics or you might be taking inhalers or steroids, you will see that if you start with homeopathy on a parallel line, you can slowly start tapering that off. And you will see that your episodes of recurrent infections also come down and eventually it stops. So that's the confidence I want our listeners to have. It's the best system of medicine. And as Eugenie did call it, and I think it was your husband who coined the term nanomedicine and stuck with it. (laughs) Oh, he'll be so happy to hear you say that. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Because I think the word homeopathy can be mispronounced in a lot of different ways, so homeopathy or whatever. And I feel nanomedicine is more effective and more technical and in the present moment term. Because it is truly a nanomedicine. And I feel that, you know, I was just talking to informing somebody about homeopathic medicines the other day and said, you see, when you take the plant alkaloid in its raw form, Like when we go for a walk, we tell our kids not to have the berries. There might be something toxic in it. That's because it's alkaloid in its raw form. And that's why Hanuman said that we need to potentize it so that we can negate the effects of the raw alkaloid and just have enough of the particle to activate or trigger our immune system. And that's what we want. Mm -hmm. And eventually, and I recently had had a client I'll tell you about, so this client had a fracture due to an accident. So obviously we were giving him the usual fracture medicines and he was hospitalized. He was going through his treatment, but due to whatever treatment he was undergoing, he developed a postural cuff and he had a bad cuff as soon as his head touched the pillow. Mm. And I said, well, I think you definitely, that's a clear indication for Drosera. So I said, you can have Drosera. Let's take three doses and see how you go. And the next day, his wife called me up. He said, he's actually quite bad. He's worse than what he was yesterday. I was quite surprised because I said, that's not that. I'm very confident that Rosera should work. But I said, okay, let's wait for another day. And then we might change your medicine. The next day, she said, he's perfectly fine now. So what I'm coming to is that the immune system was triggered. It slightly sometimes flares up and then it totally stops. So we do see that effect. The patient is perfectly fine now. So that's the confidence. And I also wanted to discuss the impacts of actually taking antibiotics on our gut health, because for example, a case in point is the cases of tonsillitis and ear infections are so very, very common. And every time you see a doctor, you'll be prescribed a course of antibiotic and another course of antibiotic and a third one. And eventually they say, oh, we can't do anything about it. Let's go in for surgery. And this is, I think this is common to all of us as homeopaths. We see this so often and then The patients sometimes and many times come as a last port of call to say, okay, let's try this before they go in for surgery. But that's also okay. But please have the confidence that you can do something about it the very first time as well. So what is actually the antibiotics? I want to also expand on what actually the antibiotics are doing to us. So we keep talking about gut health. What is gut health? Gut health is 43% of our, we are 43% human cells. And 57% microbiome, which is your bacteria, fungi, viruses, mostly good bacteria. What is it actually doing? It's actually a barrier, a microbiological barrier that covers our body. And it's a good bacteria covering our body and not giving enough space and or enabling the pathogenic bacteria to occupy, number one. And it changes the pH to a level where the pathogenic bacteria cannot occupy ourselves. That's the first thing. What it actually chemically does is it, it creates enzymes it produces enzymes that break down the food the nutrients in the food that we eat what are those nutrients used for for example those nutrients are used for making our hormones in our body for making neurotransmitters example serotonin for making vitamins which are very what are the roles of the role of vitamin is a part of it's actually a connecting block to all the metabolic reactions happening in our body 
And what are the metabolic reactions doing in our body? That's why we are surviving. The reactions in the body, all the reactions in our body is what is helping us to survive. The fact that I'm talking to you, the fact that I'm blinking my eyelids, the fact I'm moving my hand, everything requires energy. And that energy is coming from the metabolic reactions happening in our body. So eventually you can see the, the fact that 57% of our cells is the prokaryotes, the bacteria, is what is helping us to do every little blink or word that I'm talking to you, the movement or the smile on my face is all coming because of the symbiotic relation we have with our gut biome. So when we are taking the antibiotics, we are wrecking that and eventually we come up with diarrhea. So we come up with, you know, we're so fatigued, we're nauseous. And then we develop kind of a bad taste in the mouth, a bad mood, and eventually it just goes down and down and, and downhill. So I just want to inform our listeners that please, please go in for homeopathy. And even if you're taking allopathy, that's perfectly fine. Start parallelly homeopathy so that you can enable yourself to finish this off, this whole cycle and circle of things. I'm so glad you said that because I am also a huge advocate for caring for our microbiome. And our bodies work so perfectly when it has the opportunity to be in balance. Yeah. And I obviously, pharmaceutical medication has its place. This time last year was just about the time when I was in hospital having my appendix out. And I was so grateful for modern medicine. But like you said, paralleling that homeopathy, I had a drawer full of homeopathics in, in my hospital bed next to me. Yeah. Yeah. Just using those homeopathics to help restore my body. And that was the first time I'd had antibiotics since I was a child. And I could not believe how it messed up my system. I am such a homeopath in that if you come for a consult with me, we will be talking about poos. You're just going to have yes. to deal with that. Yes, yes. yes. That's fine. <laughs> and That's fine. so I, I love talking about the gut and it's just such a great symptom that it's giving us. You know, I always feel like we can compensate for a lot of things, but the stuff that comes out of our body, we can't compensate for. So snot, period, blood, poos, wheeze. That's yes. just all clear, unadulterated symptoms that's coming out of our body that we can use to prescribe on. Sure. But if you're, yeah. for example, angry, you can suppress that and you could like show a different emotion to how you really feel. But that's why I love these symptoms that get pushed out of our body. And that was the first time in my life I had ever been constipated. I have great bowels. It's one of the things that we're very proud of in our family. <laughs> but I could not believe how it messed up my system after those antibiotics. And I just felt so sorry for our clients that are on round after round of antibiotics. And I felt so sad for my little gut soldiers that I've cared for for all these years that just completely got thrown out of whack. But then just doing all that work to restore things afterwards as well. So. I love exactly. the message that you're giving. Don't be scared yeah. using the pharmaceuticals, but use your homeopathics alongside. And as you use them, your body's going to get stronger. So your reliance on them is going to become less and less and less. Definitely, definitely. And I'll tell you a case of my actually aunt who had taken quite a few courses of antibiotics for a recurrent UTI that she suffered. And each time they would increase the dosage of antibiotics. Eventually the oral antibiotics didn't work. So she had to be hospitalized. She was given IV. Oh. And now she's suffering from chronic pancreatitis. Mm. And she is really bad. So she has to take oral enzymes to actually help digest her food. So I just felt that we sometimes don't understand that eventually when we have a chronic, we develop a chronic issue, we we should be able to make a link as to where it's all coming from, the recurrent Obviously, food and lifestyle is really very, very important because I think we have to remove the maintaining cause as well. And that's mm. also very, very important. So having good food, having good lifestyle is going to take away a, quite a bit of your, the issues that we usually suffer from, as well as homeopathy is a great way to, to mm. keep ourselves healthy. Yes, that's mm. right. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the microbiome? I love your passion for it. I could just see your whole face light up as you're talking about gut health, which is just, it's wonderful to see because it's just so important. And I think the more we start to understand the role of the microbiome, like one of the things that was mind blowing for me, because that statistic that you said about us actually having more microorganisms than cells in our body is fascinating. That's right. Yes. But that gut brain connection, when I found out that 80% of our serotonin is produced in our gut, not in our That's brain that yes. completely smashes this whole pharmaceutical model of just you know giving SRIs or just focusing on mental health like you actually need to go a little bit deeper like where did that start from in the first place that's right yes yes yeah that's right because understanding 
so that's where our homeopathic individualization comes where we actually try to understand the patient as a person every person as an individual every person is his own has their own circumstances and that's where we are what we are because of you know whatever we carry from our whatever input we've had from our parents from our grandparents our situations around us and that's the person we are today so homeopathy looks at you looks at and then we talk about miasms, which is your acquired miasms or your inherited miasms. And then we try to clear that base as well. So we give you a constitutional medicine where we understand your general symptoms. It could be your physical and mental symptoms, as well as we see what is the miasmatic trait you're carrying. So we try to remove that root cause by giving you an intercurrent miasmatic remedy. And that kind of helps to annihilate or remove any of those traits or at least help to overcome those traits and then you feel you're a much better and a healthier person in the longer run so we are not attacking it from one and we are trying to attack it from all ends in terms of individualizing your case in terms of miasmatic prescription and in terms of sometimes we also now using bowel muscles there's so much we can do and it's you've got so many tools to help our clients yes right. i know you had a case of a bowel nosode yes well. do you want to have a chat with us about that Yes, I've recently had a case of, and this is really common. I've actually personally seen many cases of kids having colics, and I hope I'm pronouncing it the right way. Yeah, colic, yeah. <laughs> so teenage girls and boys as well, kids under the age of 10, and even over the age of early puberty, I've seen. That's so interesting. Uh, I wonder yeah. where that comes from, because it's just not an age where you would really yes. think of think Yes. Of so what I've understood is that, you know, how as adults, when we have stress, we develop stiff necks, we develop migraines, we develop mm. headaches. Kids usually present stress in form of stomach aches. Yes. I've seen that link with kids. And so this kid, particular kid, I gave him Proteus because he had anger and tantrum issues mm. as a bowel nozzle. Along with that, I gave him Colosin. Uh, Initially, the same thing happened. The first two days, the patient, the parents said, and they sent me actually a voice recording of his update of his progress. And they said he was the same. He still had the nausea. He was sent back from school. And many times this child has been sent back from school. And eventually, he said after third and fourth day onwards, and since that day, he's never had an issue with his colic. Oh. Another girl, similar case, but she was around 11, 12 years, early menarche or puberty, I would say. And then similar case of having colic being sent back from school but she was a more shy and you know introverted and I gave her pulsatilla looking at all the symptoms mm. and she was out of it a mom came and collected pulsatilla from me just in case so I said please don't give it to her without speaking to me on the phone because we don't want any overdosage as well so we have to be careful about how many doses we are taking so that's important so yes this is something I've seen this is really common among kids and we were talking about tonsillitis earlier. Tonsillitis, I've seen mercury compounds work really well with tonsillitis. And please feel confident if your kids are suffering from ear infections, tonsillitis, homeopathy can really, really help you. Asthma is beautifully cured with homeopathy. We are not, again, advocating that you don't take the inhalers because it's required. But at the same time, steroids, a lot of steroid prescriptions are being done and a lot of parents give steroids. And I've seen parents by the clock, seven o'clock, I have to give a steroid inhaler. That's fine. We have to do it. But the long-term effect, it causes osteoporosis. I've seen, and I'm, and it's really, again, damaging to their skeletal health as well as their internal health. So mm. do we really want to give it? Yes, we do need to give it because the child requires it at that time, probably. But can we get our child out of it with starting homeopathy? Yes, we definitely can help our kid out of it with starting homeopathy parallelly. And you will see you don't require that to send your kid with an inhaler very soon. You'll see that, oh, he's hardly had any episodes over the last month, over the last week. Oh, he hardly has had any episodes in the last one month. And then you'll see it starts tapering off and beautifully your kids are healed. So we're again, we look at history. We look at what is the miasm the child is carrying. We look at what is the general constitution the child has. And then we might sometimes need to change the prescription. So because the symptoms change. First time the parents give us a set of symptoms and then they come back to us. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. And then we recalibrate ourselves and then re-navigate just like the Google, you know, happens. <laughs> redirecting, <laughs> Yes, Redirecting. And, but we eventually do get to the remedy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that does happen as well just to make mm. our listeners aware. Mm. Yeah. 
Definitely. Oh. And also as we're removing layers, there's symptoms change. You know, I just did this great lecture by Colin Griffith with New Remedies for Our Time, which was put on through SWHG. And he gave this case where it was over the course of four years and the remedies was changed literally about 20 times over those four years. And yeah. then when he found the remedy in the end, which was, I think, Aurum Sulf or something like that, yeah. then he was like, well, was this the remedy that should have been given at the start? Has it just been missed all along? And the client, right. and he said to the client, you know, do you think that, have I just been giving you the wrong remedy the whole time? And she said, no, every single remedy that you've given me is health. And sometimes it is just that process of uncovering layers and especially if there's been lots of suppression with pharmaceutical medication the prescription will often change regularly in children you may be talking more about children which often you know we get it it's quicker to get it right because there's not as much suppression but with some adults who've had chronic diseases for a long time loads of medications it can be a real journey Yes, that's it's right. Like right it's and stressful situations around mm. like around various officers or families or whatever is going on in their lives. So yeah. I actually wanted to bring up some of the keynote, some of the beautiful keynote prescriptions that have helped as well. So besides, we yes. don't always, I feel that sometimes this keynote prescriptions, if a patient gives us a clear symptom and we know or oh, that remedy works. And I'll get, tell you one of my interesting cases that I had earlier. This lady had used to have regular episodes of chill blains in her toes, you know, very itchy toes. And that's due to poor circulation as well, and especially during winters. And I gave her agaricus. I've seen agaricus works very well with chill blains. But then she came back to me after 10, two weeks, and she says, interestingly, I've had this pain in my right elbow and my left knee for a long time. It's been chronic. And that's gone. And I was surprised. So how does that work? And I checked up agaricus and it actually talks about pain in the alternate joint. So if you diagonally, diagonal oh, pain. No if way. you've got right elbow, you've got left knee pain oh. and left elbow, you've got right knee pain. I said, oh my God, although I might have read through it, but I could never remember it had she never, had she not come back and told me that she took garicus and how, and I gave it to her for true pain. So that was an interesting discovery for me. And I never forgot the use of agaricus if I, i've never had a case like that ever again but yeah that stayed with me that can, I, good- can i quickly yeah. tell you something really funny so yeah. you said oh and about keynote prescribing and as you said that i thought to myself oh i have to share this funny thing about i'm still waiting yeah. for like the most craziest keynote still waiting for a client to come into my clinic one day and say you know eugenie i've never told anyone this before but every time and I feel a bit silly saying it, but every time I open the fridge door and I see a mushroom, I feel like the yeah. mushroom is telling me to fall on a sword and kill myself. <laughs> and that, that's the keynote for agaricus. And so oh. as I'm thinking this in my brain, you're telling this story about agaricus. I'm like, oh, this is freaky. Oh, freaky. A lot of stories about agaricus. <laughs> Some of the others I've found really, it's a verbascum now. Verbascum I've found works really well with neuralgia, toothache, especially radiating to the ears on the left side. It has got really beautiful results with toothache radiating to the left side. And yeah, so that's one thing that I thought works really well. Mm. I've had this lady, another one having, this is kind of keynote and a bit of constitutional prescribing where I have, so a lot of women suffer from regular thrush. Now I'm not mm. again advocating that do you take the remedy, but I'm just saying what helped her. So in the longer run, and again, she took a lot of those antifungal treatments and each time it just kept getting worse. And I know it's so hard to even function if you've got that constant burning and itching sensation, you just can't function. Mm-hmm. So for, for her, particularly, serinum and caladium did help her. A dose of serinum, we, we had a miasmatic prescription and caladium uh-huh. and cleared the case beautifully. Another interesting case was where this patient had come with, now, you know, the fun part about it is, that you would hear all of these funny feelings in a homeopathic repertory, you'd find them, but you would never, ever, if you go to a conventional physician and you talk to them and they'll say, what are you talking about? So this lady had this feeling that something's moving on the left side of her abdomen. And she just had to constantly press it down with literally the palm of her hand to bring that feeling down, to suppress that because... She said, it's it's not painful at all, but I just can't stand it. It's as if something's, and oh, she was definitely not pregnant, <laughs> but she had this constant moving sensation as if it's pulling her from inside. And so, and eventually I think I changed a couple of remedies and eventually what worked was two done. This is within a week. 
Mm, still, so, yeah. Okay. Too, too, it's, yeah. It's got that yeah, sens- yeah. sensation of something alive in the abdomen. Yeah, hey, I had that once where I felt like something was moving in my abdomen and I knew I wasn't pregnant and I took a dose of Thuya and it did help. It did help, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I said, I said, like, you know, sometimes you, they've got this, for example, plumber met has this feeling where you're pulled in by a rope in your abdomen. Now, uh-huh. I think anybody else, if you were to tell those strange feelings to any other physician, so should I say, and then actually the laugh with it because and I would have laughed at it had I not been a physician myself. But I understand that a homeopath wants to hear all this and we can actually treat you with those the I'm the stranger the symptom that we for us, oh wow, can you please tell us something more so that it helps us to actually uh you know taper down and actually hit the nail really in terms of our remedies. So that's beautiful and that's some of the I had this another case of urticaria where this uh, this child had come, six-year-old child, just slightly on the, yeah, so she actually had urticaria, chronic urticaria. I gave her urtica uh, urines, apis, we tried a couple of medicines. So she had temporary relief, but it came up. Then I asked the parents to get some blood tests done, which the parents did. And she, at that age, had fatty liver. Oh, wow. Parents said that I think she's been having a lot of those chicken nuggets on a regular basis. So every morning her breakfast was chicken nuggets. And I said, they said they were all working. So they didn't have much time or every evening one of those times, really. So I did kind of chart out a little meal plan for them. And I said, it's really important that we give her a lot of salads along with at least one bowl of a little bit of lettuce and cucumber Mm -hmm and some more homemade fresh meals. Mm. So we kind of then helped tackle the fatty liver along with urtic area and she did come out of the issue. So sometimes we might have to go deeper beyond what is causing the problem. Mm. Uh, so sometimes some keynote prescriptions don't work well till we actually get into the depths of what's actually causing the issue. So mm. that was one of the beautiful cases that the girl was really off. Yeah, so... Can um, I add something, what you said about the sensations? That is why I have this podcast, because I, I want our listeners to understand that the weirder the stuff they tell us, the better. <laughs> because they most of them come from an allopathic background where they are kind of trained from a young age as to the things that you would say to a doctor, a medical doctor, and the things yes. that you shouldn't. So they are trained that it's not useful giving too much deep and meaningful information to a doctor because they can't really do anything with it. Right. You know? right so right. I want our listeners to retrain their thinking about the types of information that is helpful for us to know so yeah. that we can all as practitioners then get better results because we're kind of training our listeners on the type of stuff that we need to get to your similar quicker so I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is what the show is all about exactly exactly and that sometimes the patients feel that they think oh what is the other person going to think about me or they have this (laughs) self-doubt thing which is not which is with I think the person you can really open up to very well as a homeopath because a homeopath is waiting to really (laughs) and then prescribe you something from their magic box because they know something's going to come up that's going to heal you definitely so yeah we've got all of those magic pills around that's true (laughs) yeah I know you had some more cases of tonsillitis I think so I think were you going to talk to us a little bit more about the mercury compounds and maybe some remedies that are in that mercury family or how you've used them yeah basically I've used mercury I've seen mercury compounds are very helpful with tonsillitis merc cyanides merc iod Merck uh, iode ruber and Merck bin iode are two of them, which are specific for right and left side of tonsillitis, or I think I'm saying the other way around. And Merck salt compound, Merck cyanide, especially, as I said, I've found it really useful in Quincy. Mm-hmm. And one of the important keynotes is offensiveness is a keynote of, of mercury compound that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So that works well. Lycopodium, usually then for right to left, it moves from right to left. Lachesis from left to right, worse lying down. So those are those symptoms. So I think we've seen some great results with. Um, so I get my message here again to the parents is, or to the listeners is that homeopathy can do a lot. And each time you're taking homeopathic medicines, be a bit patient. You will see that the recurrence of infection comes down anyhow. So yeah, yeah. So that's another thing. I actually also wanted to talk about my dog and how I've helped my dog with homeopathy. 
Um, well, he's a homeopathic dog, I must say. We've always <laughs> kept him on homeopathy. And uh, so we, he had a kennel cuff once. We left him in a kennel for a month. So when he came back, he was cuffing a lot. And I think personally, for me, Rumix helped him a lot. I think three or four doses of Rumix. What I do with him is I usually actually give him the pills directly from my palm or put a mm. few drops of his water and he takes that in water, which is very helpful. Another problem which my dog, I bought a Labrador, a golden Labrador. Aww. And he usually, he had these, I've seen a lot of dogs suffering from conjunctivitis, where you'd seen usually the watery eyes and many of the dogs that I feel, and whenever I take him out for a walk and I feel, and I see other dogs having the conjunctivitis symptoms, especially with watery eyes, and you can see all the water over their fur and the little bit of mucus that I feel. Because what helped my dog was um, Argentum nitricum and a dose of intercurrent dose of cephalanum. And now he's never had it ever since that time. So, yeah, so I think homeopathy is, is I think the body functions, whether it's an animal or a dog or plant, you've, you've been talking a lot about agro homeopathy. Mm. And yes, my plant, one thing I can say, I'm not so much of an agro homeopath at all because I'm still trying to understand plants. But one thing I've seen with my roses, the red, the black spots that they develop has sulfur 201 dose and all those spots were gone. Oh. So that's something I learned from, I think, one of your podcasts as well. <laughs> I applied it and it really did work. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, I don't even talk to me about gardens because here in Perth in January, unless you have serious shade cloth over your garden, everything's fried to crisp. So my garden is just fried. I'm not even going to try and grow <laughs> anything right now. I'll wait till March. <laughs> right, right, right. Hopefully yeah. a green garden very soon. Yeah. So yeah. have you got any other cases or any other stories of how homeopathy can help us that you want to share? Yes. So I've had a client who had an anaphylactic reaction to a green juice that this client took from, uh, I think they bought from Woolworth, but whatever happened that day. Mm. And he had to be hospitalized because it was really bad. But then post his hospitalization, he had taken steroids. So we gave him the prednisolone, which is the steroid he was given. But in potency. That, in potency, that's mm. right. And post that, he developed a very acute pain in his right shoulder. The pain was so acute that he couldn't lie down at all. So each time he lay down on the bed, so the lying position was worse for him. Sitting up was still more tolerable, but it was pretty painful, but very to more tolerable. So whole night he was sleeping, actually sitting up on the bed. So then I changed a couple of medicines. I gave a chelidonium. I also gave sanguinaria, which are very keynote medicines for right side of shoulder pain, which kind of did not help. And then I finally gave him cephalinum 1M. After one week, that was the first night that patient had actually, uh, the client actually slept in a lying down position. And next morning, he was fine. He was perfectly fine. So, Cephalanum Wando, this has just happened very last month. So, that was beautiful. The other thing that I really want to promote is taking homeopathy for sports injuries. I think we've got beautiful medicines. Again, I would say, I keep saying magic pills, but they truly are magic <laughs> One thing that we always keep in our kitchen is calendula ointment for any bruises. And my husband even keeps it in his in the bathroom because after shave, that's what he usually uses. And any knife, kitchen knife cuts or gardening cuts or any falls, first thing we use only is calendula ointment. The other two ointments which always stay in my kitchen or I keep in my fridge usually is arnica ointment and cantharis so mm -hmm. any burns the first thing we do is just quickly put our hand in cold water wipe it off and put cantharis ointment or arnica for bruises so these are three things that normally stay with us my brother had a very he was actually hit by a badminton racket accidentally by his he was playing doubles with his friend and he had a black eye so what really did help him out of the situation was Arnica to start with. And then we gave him Symphitum, which is very specific for blunt eye injuries. That was, yeah, lead him again, lead him for any pointed instrument injuries or any insect bites. So these are, I'm not just quoting them, but I'm telling what I'm trying to say is they really work wonders. We don't have to look at anything else. Staphosagria for after post-surgical injuries or knife cuts. And then Ruta for any tendons, Rustox for ligaments. They are just beautiful medicines which we can 
Uh, I sometimes also, I don't mind combining these medicines and giving them to patients because mm. in an injury, sometimes not your, not one part of your muscle or ligament or tendon, all of it as a whole. So sometimes making that concoction also helps a lot on healing patients. So yes, so eventually to end it off, our message is to our listeners that please, please have confidence in homeopathy. It is beautiful. It works wonders and you will see you're a much healthier person not running back to take antibiotics. It'll just develop your immunity, activate and trigger your immune system and bring you back to health and good spirits as well. Amazing. Now, just a little, shall we leave the little surprise right here to the end is that Ritu is going to be joining my team of homeopaths, which is very exciting. But if people want to make a booking, do you have your own booking system as well that you want us to link in the show notes? Yeah. So usually I have actually advertised on the natural therapy pages. Uh, ah. That's where I'll probably forward you my link or they can do it through your website. Yeah. yeah. So they'll find you on eugeniekruger.com as well. And bookings right. under our team of homeopaths there. And you've been such a great help in our Facebook group as well. We've got a Facebook group, which is just for Australian home prescribers. And Rich has been giving some great advice in there. When you were talking about the black eyes, I don't know if you saw just this last week or so, there's been photos of several people whose children have had big eggs on their heads from injuries and then photos of before Arnica and after the Arnica. There's a few mums that have done really good like photos every half an hour or so and you just see that massive egg go right down. But thank you. That's so inspiring. Thank you so much also for all the help that you've given our mummies in our Facebook group. I really appreciate that as well. Thank you very much. And I'd really come from my heart. Thank you for all the service you're doing to homeopathy, to our community and to the people around us, because we really are very passionate as homeopaths. We are really passionate. What every, I think every case that is better, it's all about passion. It's all about getting the message to people that they should take this. They should be confident and they'll see how beautifully things are cured and healed. The cheer come back to your face. So thank you for oh. all the service and all the good work and hard work that you're doing. It's such a pleasure. I am so excited to have you on the team. I have thank the you, most hugest respect for, you know, the Indian trained homeopaths, which is why I've had so many Indian homeopaths on the show as well. So I'm really grateful to have you on the team. I think 2023 is going to be a big year for homeopathy. I can, if it's, maybe it's just because I'm living in my little bubble <laughs> of people who are interested in homeopathy, but in our podcast Facebook group I'm seeing so many more people asking about where they can study homeopathy I'm getting so many emails from people asking around the world where can I get in touch with a homeopath where can I study homeopathy the podcast is growing exponentially I mean it took us uh, a year to get to our first 50,000 downloads and then it took us only four months to get to the next 60,000 downloads so it's growing exponentially which is showing you Um, good wishes and blessings are always with you everybody's (laughs) but what is getting me so excited and it's just that homeopathy is growing and I think COVID just gave us this incredible opportunity to show people what we have and homeopathy has always thrived in times of pandemics throughout the last two centuries so now is the time and get on board with homeopathy, try it out, get yourself a home prescriber's kit, get in touch with a homeopath so you have somebody professional to hold your hand. There's so many Facebook groups these days giving free acute advice. There's homeopathy 24-7. All the resources are out there. So yeah, this is the year for homeopathy to shine. (laughs) That's right. I wanted to add on that note that the Indian government runs a ministry for especially for the holistic system of medicine. It's called Ayush. So that's Ayurveda, Yunani, uh, Ayurveda, Yoga, Yunani, Siddhi, and homeopathy. And they really enable and empower these systems of medicines to actually. So I just feel, and there is a homeopath. So India is a home of homeopathy, and you'll see a homeopath and a homeopathic pharmacy in every street, should I say so. And that's what I want us to be empowered here in Australia as well. And for all of us to understand that each system of medicine has its own really great positive points and to enable ourselves to choose the best for ourselves thank um, you you do thank you <laughs> i feel sorry i read you i don't want to stop i'm having so much fun talking but i was thinking with like we have india there as a shining beacon of light of what can be done that's right and yeah. On the flip side, we've just had all these things happen in America with the FDA trying to make homeopathy 
trying to reclassify it as a new medicine uh-huh. illegally they can't because it's yeah. actually written into their constitution so what they're doing is against their constitution so we have these two polar opposites and yeah. in New Zealand there's some things brewing at the moment which I'm hoping to have somebody from New Zealand on the podcast soon to talk about what's happening there with some new legislation and things that they're trying to bring in there and Australia is never safe when it comes to homeopathy you know That's so we need to not for one second think that homeopathy is safe over here in Australia. We need to keep using it, keep demanding it, stay vigilant and make sure that we're spreading the word. So we need to keep the Indian system of using homeopathy in our mind that we can get there, but it, it takes all of us to spread the word and use it and demand it and make sure that other people know about it to keep it alive. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. I totally agree with you. I think we need to demand it. We need to get the message across. That's really, Mm. really important. I wish for once all the conventional doctors also tried homeopathy for some of the problems. Because I know, because I know, I actually, one of my, I've got a few friends who are doctors who actually come to me for homeopathic consultation because they understand that giving antibiotics to their kids is something (sighs) you don't want to do. So they say, so I'm like, and they know, I think there's some, I feel, a matter of guilt there as well, because they know that it's going to create, mm. it's going to wreck their system. So even people who are doctors who are, who are practicing conventional medicine understand what it's doing to their system themselves or to their kids or to their families. But there is no other solution they have. So they, so we are giving a solution. There is a solution. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> I have so many nurse clients. Heaps. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't think I've got a doctor. No, I don't. I've just got loads of nurses who are clients of mine. Right. And I always think that any, this is a generalization, but I think every medical doctor and every medical nurse goes in with the deep desire to want to help people. That's why they go into that profession. And I feel like a lot of them somewhere along the way lose themselves because of that indoctrination, that kind of brainwashing the pharma that comes in and gives them loads of training on pharmaceutical drugs. And I do feel that somewhere along the way they lose that. But I do think they've still got that glimmer of hope there somewhere that they feel that some things should be better. There should be a better way. We should have more to help people than just one or two things. And if that doesn't help, we don't have any other options. I know that they have that little voice inside of them that's telling them that. And I guess my other hope for 2023 is that more medical professionals will listen to that voice and realize it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. We can have the best of both both. worlds. And more importantly, I hope they try it out. Why don't they try it out and see what really works? So let's do it practically. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Uh, I know. I know. You see the results. It's all about the results in the end, isn't it? It's mm. all about the results, please. So there are results and they're beautiful results. So mm. I hope to be able to convince, not I, I'm sorry, I'm saying I, but we as a community, I think we all homeopaths are a community yes. and what we're talking about to convince, uh, change the mindsets of those. Mm. I think I personally feel the definition of a healer is I, you are a healer once you understand. I should have an open mind. A healer should have an open mind. You cannot be a healer if you've got a closed mindset. That's what scientists are about. Scientists can't come up with a hypothesis and say this is the only thing. The hypothesis is just a prediction. After that, you have to actually experiment and trial it out to actually reach the conclusion. And you cannot do that with a closed mind. You have to hypothesize things. Okay, if there is a hypothesis, why don't we then trial it out and see what is the end result? So that will only come with an open mind. We have to have an open mind. And even if there's something good about Ayurveda I, or any other or acupuncture or chiropractic, I have to have an open mind. I have to see how can I. So my intention as a physician, and I call myself a physician because my intention is to, what is my ultimately, what is my ultimate goal or aim is to heal my patient. Mm-hmm. And however I do it, and and long-term healing, I should not say, okay, I know this, I'm giving this medicine to my client. But these are the probable side effects. And I'm calling them side effects because that's a term coined. It's not actually a side effect. It's an effect. It's mm-hmm. one of the effects. It's not a side effect. So I know this is one of the effects, but these are 10 of the other effects. Side effects is a psychological yes. term to kind of push it back to the hindsight of our brain, which is in which is incorrect. It's psychologically trying to train us that, oh, this doesn't happen. For example, you've seen patients who are suffering from hypertension, I can't exactly pinpoint the medicine, but I know that it leads to one of the common side effects I've seen is 
on a cuff, a dry cuff. Mm. And those patients are then taking medicines for cough, whereas it is the medicine that is causing and it actually totally disables them. Yes. I have seen many clients having hypertensive medicines and I can't exactly, I don't want to say the name because I can't think of the name. No, of the do you know what? And I won't say any names, but if somebody close to me is on a hypertension medication and then recently we noticed that they're coughing all the time. And we said, why yes. are you coughing the whole time? And they said, oh, it's okay. It's a side effect of the medication that I'm on. And we're like, it's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah, yeah. So we have to understand that they're not side effects. They're actually the effects and it's actually disabling yeah. you. So it's not enabling you. So we as scientists, whatever profession we are following, we have to have an open mind. And all of us have to have an open mind. So ultimately, what is the end result? The end result is I have to heal my patient. And whether I have to direct them towards homeopathy or chiropractic or even allopathy, uh, I have to see that the, the end result for this client is that he's healed and he is a happier mm. person and he's a healthier person. Mm. And please let us have an open mind. And that's the message yeah. I want to give to everybody. Yes. As, and actually, there's so much marketing involved in that because just like you said, calling it a side effect just makes the patient feel like, oh, it's okay. It's just like a side effect, but it is actually an effect. I love how you put, made that distinction. And the other marketing term that always annoys me is the word immunization because it sounds like a good thing. It sounds like, oh, I am making my immune system stronger in some sort of mechanical way, yeah. sorry, chemi chemical way, artificial way. I'm somehow improving on something that's already perfect. But we really need to use the correct term, which is vaccination. And right. but from a marketing point of view, the pharmaceutical companies and doctors like to use the word immunization because it sounds nicer yeah. than the word vaccination, which is yeah. what it actually is. But we have to be vigilant and we have to use our critical thinking minds all the time and see where are there things around us that is just kind of nicely prepackaged and put a little ribbon on it to make it look better than what it seems. Let's exactly. let's call it what it is. And let's put nanomedicine then. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's well, do it. This is true, actually. Oh, Rita, my husband's going to love you. He's just going to be so happy to hear that word used. <laughs> I'm going to team up with him and re and rephrase homeopathy now. I want to make it more impactful and I I think it yeah. all starts from the word go you see it does it does, it does start from the word go so yes Rita, yeah thank you so much yeah i'm so excited to have you on the team this thank has been a wonderful you. episode to kick off the new year with um and yeah i'm excited about 2023 let's bring it on <laughs> yeah same here eugenie thank you so much for having me on board and it's totally my pleasure and i hope that we are as a team are able to heal our clients which is our only intention and purely and Absolutely. only intention is to see you all coming to the other end and a happier, healthier person. And thriving. <laughs> and thriving, most important. I talk to you very soon. Bye. Very blessed and be happy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lovely speaking to you. Take care.